a deeper look at Marvel's Avengers. And 10 years of PS Plus. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, your other host, Mr. Saul Bridges. Bring you guys episode 169. 69, nice. I think so. Nice. Okay. Uh, If this is your first time listening to us, stick around for the post show where you can find out where to follow us uh, for social media interaction uh, or when we come up, if if you can't figure that out from looking at the description and stuff. We always put a little... uh, set up in there for where you can find us but we start to show off a good and normal way before we end up talking about all the news which there's quite a bit of today touching back on cyberpunk 2077 uh, as well as some more stuff about the uh, crystal dynamics marvel avengers game we start to show off nicely and neatly and ask the question that i think for this time i actually know what saul's been playing though i don't think he knows what i've been playing yeah though it's not a surprise Saul, what's been playing uh i am about 15 hours in a day's gone, I want to say. Is that about a rough estimate where I'm at? Because you know where I'm at. I don't I guess it say. depends. I think the reason that I have such a hard time saying, like, you know, last week you were like, where, when does it open up? I think the part that makes that so hard is it's an open world game that's almost like Skyrim in that you can just go and screw around the world as much as you want to. I'm assuming I also haven't gotten to the part that you were talking about that gets crazy. Well, I mean, once the game starts really, really moving, which you're getting close to from what we talked about finally, yeah. uh, I consider the game to really never slow down once that point starts. And it's not late game, but Sweet. it is probably like the first after, the first quarter is probably the slowest, and then everything after that is kind of just like a snowball. I could see that. Um, but yeah, I'm about roughly 15 hours into that. I started playing it on Sunday, and once I found out that you can really tackle things kind of like you can in Metal Gear Solid Five and other open-world games... Um, in the ways you want to, with the weapons you want to, and the fact that you could do it that multiple times in different ways. Uh, it's really sticking with me. The, the story is really doing it for me. Game's still kind of wonky, even like a year and a half after release, a year after release. Um, so it's there's that. Have you had it crash on you yet? Not crash at all. Good. Because uh, wasn't, wasn't that one of your first experiences? I'm pretty sure that was related to my hard drive. Do you remember I swapped out my hard drive? That is true. And I've not had a game crash on me yet. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, no real big issues with it so far. Uh, some weird janky issues with animations and some, some kind of uh, glitches and audio issues. Um, but other than that, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, and I plan on continuing it. Uh, we get a three-day weekend this week for 4th of July. So I'll be off on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and I think I'll be playing it to wrap it up then. But I've also been playing Destiny. Um that one, nothing too special about that. I've just been hopping online and doing the daily bounties every day. Yeah, I was actually going to ask if you'd started playing Destiny again. You know, I was talking about me and Chris going through and doing Destiny, and I don't know if it's that I haven't – I'm not sure why, but I've, I haven't started that yet. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that I really don't want to, and I'm just – I feel like maybe I'm doing it – I don't really know, but I wonder if it's my brain subconsciously being like you're only doing it for a platinum. Well, all you really have to do is just jump in when we're all raiding one night. Sure. I mean – but it's got to be uh, it's got to be a prestige raid, and the problem with that is, at least that I've seen, I know that they're doing away with Leviathan soon. If yeah, it's not September twenty second, okay, cool. Um, but the problem with that is, have they announced any plans for what the replacement will be for a prestige raid? Because if they don't, then this will be a time where suddenly the game is just unplatinumable. No, for a while. remember what happened there is that they actually had the platinum pop in a different way. Or that trophy pop in a different way. So they may actually change that trophy to pop when you just complete a raid next time. Yeah, which always annoyed the hell out of me. They they changed it with the first thing in the beginning. I was like, why can't I just do a prestige nightfall? Well, to be fair, yeah, I was going to say there was the second trophy that was like um, go to uh, the nine or whatever. It's like it's like when you, um, if I remember correctly, you had to go all the way to the lighthouse in Trials. Because I, I remember that that's how I got it. And I then believe. when Trials left the game. For good, yeah. Or, well, because it's no longer Trials of the Nine. Yeah. Um, it's, um, uh, what is it called now? Not Trials of the Nine. It's something else. Um, but, yeah, they, they just made it <laughs> A pop. Trials Dirt Bike game? <laughs> no. I actually can't now? remember what the name of that is either. It's called Trials. But is there, like, surnames for them, yeah, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Um, what have you been playing this week? Uh, so, I beat The Last of Us 2. I guess I should specify. I beat The Last of Us Part 2. Um, again, in the effort of not saying anything for spoiler purposes, um, 
I am really interested in what I may or may not do in terms of a spoiler cast on this. I may wait and it be something that we revisit since Saul and I have very different opinions on them. Well, and this currently, this game for me to do a spoiler cast on is going to have to. I want to beat the game and then stir on it for a while and then yeah. maybe beat it again. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and that's what I feel. So if me and you do it together, it's going to be way out. Yeah, it'll be like a year from now at least. One thing I was debating, and I don't know for sure, but uh, Chris Figs is very much in your, I don't know, not in completely in your ballpark, but he's not just he's closer to my absolutely ballpark than loving yours. it. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was like, hey, if you want to do a spoiler cast for The Last of Us, I'd hop on with you. So I'm kind of stirring on that. Um, let me know if you'd be interested in having one more soon so that you can hear my thoughts about it and still have a, at least as it stands, someone who had a dissenting opinion at, at some point. Uh, I wonder if that will change as the game goes on. We'll definitely see. Uh, but or if you just prefer to wait until Saul gets around to playing it before we come back to something like that. But uh, either way, beat it. And in the effort of not spoiling anything, I'll just say that I absolutely loved it. Uh, it wasn't by the time that the game ended, it wasn't what I was expecting. Some of the other things that I did get leaked on were things that I would have expected out of a sequel. Uh, and I think the best way I can word it to me, excuse me, the game proved that the first game could have a sequel i guess is the best way to describe it is that it could use a sequel and that what they did did not ruin it for me though i know that at least for the people who are uh i guess i'd say detractors of the game that that's kind of the point of contention is whether or not this was needed um which is uh it's going to be an opinion piece and uh i'll say if nothing else much like i talked about with the playstation 5's design i'd rather have an end product that stirs a lot of debate and conversation than have something that's just like okay yeah that was it (laughs) you know so i mean yeah i guess i should say that um i don't necessarily mean it has to be good art but i think because that gets weird because then you're saying are you calling the game good which yes the game to me is good but i should say good art in terms of art that that does what art should do should stir up uh i don't i wouldn't i shouldn't say controversy so much as i should say it should be divisive to an extent right um so with that said uh the other game i've been playing has been uh the buttload of old school runescape i mean just a buttload of it um I have not had the drive to start playing my PlayStation because I'm always just like, I can sit here and just watch this show and do some quests on RuneScape and hang out with my family inadvertently. And if I need to look away from them, I'm not in a separate part of the house. So. And you're doing it on your phone, right? For the most part. Okay. Yeah. Every now and then I do get on computer because it's a, the UI is a little, it, it, it's one of the only times where I'm like, man, a tablet would be really nice right now because the touchscreen UI is really good. Uh, in terms of what they chose to redo about the game, and you can't have that same experience on computer. I mean, I guess you can because it's almost like they made that your touch a click, but um, there's some quality of life changes they made on that. And either way. So there's a video of the Iron Man or the Avengers game on uh, Twitter right now. Yeah. Why does that look just like Destiny 2? Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that. Just in a little bit. <laughs> like Destiny 2. This game is set, for, set up for failure in my O. I M O. In my IMO, in my in my in my IMO, M I M I O. All right, um, that's pretty much it, though. So I think that what I'm going to do, my plan of attack, is getting back to Life is Strange two, which I should be about to start chapter four or episode four or whatever you want to call it, um, and get back to beating that. Probably getting the platinum in that because so far I've not missed a trophy, thankfully. Uh, and you know those games are a lot different than the Telltale ones, where the Telltale all you have to do is beat them. This one you yeah. actually have to pay attention. All the trophies are collectible based, and there's like one or two other ones. I think every uh, chapter, every episode has got a spot where has got multiple spots where you can sit down and draw. It's like a mini game within the thing, uh, and all you got to do that is at least once per chapter sit down somewhere and start to draw. Then there's completing the chapter, which is one trophy, and, and how the rest many chapters? of them are collectibles. Like eight, five always. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or I say always. So far, the main ones have. Before the storm, I think was three. Uh, and that was the prequel, right? That was the one that was a prequel to the first. For Chloe game. that you and played I think as. That if you pre-ordered it, or if you, there was somehow a way for you to get a fourth, very short episode that tied more into something else. Yeah, I, I can't remember honestly. I remember the whole story, but I don't remember what the extra episode was because I didn't play it until the whole thing was out on disc. Um, but. Either way, we're going to go ahead and get on into the um, 
community state question. And the community state question is going to be interesting this week because it's going to be kind of a matter of whether or not you cared about Crash Bandicoot at all. Uh, but of course, last week we talked about uh, Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time coming around and being a sequel uh, to Crash Bandicoot 3 20 years later. Uh, so the community state question was simple. How do you feel about the return of Crash Bandicoot in his first sequel since the Insane Trilogy? Happy with the Switch and style and developer? Cautiously optimistic? Not happy with what you've seen? Etc. Why? Uh, so I'm going to hit us up over on Facebook and start with us. Uh, Mr. Jason Clendenning, I think I'm, I'm saying his name right. I know he's over in our Discord as well. He says, one of my mates just said, quote, day one, quote, when he saw the trailer, um, which I'm glad that's he's excited positive. for. Yeah, that's yeah, a positive that's, that's cool. answer. Um, I know that there's one over in our Discord I want to touch on real quick because I think it actually speaks to something I kind of saw, um, and I'm going to do two together because they kind of play together. So uh, Blake Blake, one of our patrons, and of course my co-host over on our movie podcast, Midweek Matinee, that you can go check out uh, every week. He says, I haven't played a Crash game yet. Not going to start now. Uh, and in response to that, Swanland says, right answer. He says, when I saw this game still had the aspects I hated from the old games, like running toward the screen, I knew I wasn't going to get it. And I think that brings up something that's kind of a weird thing for me. I am both, I remember watching the trailer and equally being in my mind, this looks, I'm glad that this doesn't look like what future games started trying to do as games got more and more open world. They were like, well, of course we've got to make Crash open world, which I don't think fits into Crash at all, personally. I don't think that that's the type of game. Now, it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you can't do that because I think Mario is the prime example of a of a platformer star who started in one genre and then made the transition to the other, but also still made games that were more like the old genre. It's kind of where you get into the idea. Sonic is another. I was going to say Sonic, yeah. Where you have two D and three D, and you have really big fan bases for both, and that's probably true of Crash as well. But I think if anything, it's very indicative that Crash went vacant for our, you know the ip went dormant for so long rather uh after it's multiple tries with 3d <laughs> realms and i think that you see that and it's clearly not something that the fan base at least in large want and for me i appreciated that it didn't seem like they were going open world uh but they were clearly trying to go up in scale but the thing about running toward the screen and stuff like that is it kind of feels and i don't know if this is just the nature of knowing it's not naughty dog and the original people behind it it kind of feels like they're trying they're trying their best to ape the originals by copying it, which is good in one way because it means that they're gonna they're trying to make a game that feels more in line with it. But I have this thing where it, it slightly rubbed me wrong because it feels like it was too on the nose. So yeah. you play the original Crash games, right? And you know that you had the boulder level, of course, and then mm-hmm. in future games, they normally had levels where you're running from like definitely in Crash Bandicoot three, you're running from a dinosaur. Yeah. All right. And kind of the weird thing about that is the trailer they chose to show was you running from a dinosaur. And I was like, this feels like you're trying to blatantly copy rather than be inspired by in hopes that people see that and go, that looks like yeah. old crash. I could see that because for me, like I, I'm not going to get this game just because I, I like crash and I can definitely say that it has a place and that it deserves a place, but it's just not a game for me. Yeah. Um, Which I guess is how I feel about Mario. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's weird because to me, as somebody who has like that kind of feeling on it, you would think that the running away from the screen would be something changed because of the complaints based around how that works and how kind of clunky it is. But then it's also revered as kind of being a staple for the series. Yeah. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds when it comes to that. Some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to dislike it uh, as well as love it because they're going to be like, yeah, they should have changed that, but it's crashed. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I think it's you're right. It's going to be one of those things where depending on where you stand on it, it's either going to be completely loved or completely hated. <clears throat> but no matter what the justification stands, that it is a crash game. So it's you can't really yeah fault you, it for you, that. Well, you can you can dislike it and technically you can complain about it, but you can't fault it for it. Like you yeah, said, it's a good good way of saying it. Um, and, and it's funny the way that those things make you think of other of other games or even you know little cliche camera angles and, and stuff like that can make you think of something else or even feel nostalgic for something else. Something that Days Gone does that is something Grand Theft Auto does, and that is when you are 
you arrive to a mission in Days Gone, and it's like, oh, well, you're technically supposed to experience this mission in the morning. It'll kind of pan the camera up, and then you'll see a time lapse. That yeah. is an exact Grand Theft Auto yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, wow, that's kind of like Grand Theft Auto. So much that I got done with that cutscene, and I went to go get my bike, and I was pressing triangle. <laughs> and obviously, you got on the bike by holding square. Oh, that's good. Uh, you also just, I know it's a little bit off the thing, but just while it's on my mind, I, one of the other things that you mentioned is somebody who didn't, who's, who's not a huge fan of the movie and clearly hasn't watched yeah, it in 12 so, years. You so had a big, another reference. If, that, if you have ever played Days Gone, let me know if you also thought this, if you've seen Boondock Saints. But very early in the game, I'd say in the first four hours, there is a cutscene that happens that expounds upon the opening cutscene of the game with you, Sarah, and Boozer. And the editing in that cutscene is the exact same editing technique that is used in Boondock Saints. And that is when it's going through different character perspectives or different places, it'll fade to black and unfade from black. Um, and it'll sit there and you'll, you'll, you'll be in one spot, then it'll fade, then it'll open back up and you'll be in a different spot. And that happens a couple of times in Boondock Saints. So I'm actually kind of curious if, uh, if you saw that and noticed it or if, if you didn't. How wild would it have been if uh, they would have ended up having Norman Reedus in that game? That would have actually been kind of cool. <laughs> I, I wonder. If, I you wonder. know the thing about Norman Reedus is he's doing the AMC show that Death Stranding actually – it was always on the, the banner when you were pooping in the Death Stranding, uh, that AMC ride or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what it's called, but it has Norman You're Reedus, right. right? AMC ride. Um, there's something about Norman Reedus where I, ever since I've seen him and the, the way he looks, I don't mean this in a bad way necessarily, but he just looks like somebody who I'd be like, yeah, he rides motorcycles, like in a club, yeah. <laughs> you know, like in the very traditional motorcycle biker setup thing. Um, so anyway, uh, so going back to Crash, we got a couple more over here. Uh, Mr. Danny Candyman Villiobos, one of our patrons, he says, was never a Crash fan back in the day, but glad the game looks faithful to the original, which I, I think again speaks... To the way they trump. Dang, excuse me, I shouldn't be drinking this drink. I think it says a lot to the way that they decided to cut this trailer together. I think they were really trying to give you a feeling of Crash um, <clears throat> in the classic sense. He says, I'm sure Toys for Bob will do a fine job. All the new stuff they added looks great. My only problem would have been, uh, would have to be the pricing. I was expecting $40, and this is another huge point for me. Yeah. I actually went on Twitter directly after seeing the trailer, uh, didn't see that it was already pre-orderable or anything, and said, you know, I'm a little iffy on some of the things that they're doing, but I'm willing to give it a try, and I'm glad they're making a new game. And I was like, for the $40 price point, it's definitely worth trying. And immediately someone was like, oh, well, you can go ahead and pre-order it for 60 and I think that that's a huge misstep. So, how much was the Insane Trilogy? $40. Exactly. For three games. Three no. games using the exact same engine this one game is going to be using, right? No, not same engine. Is that's, it not? That's part of the weird thing here is that this is... Oh, because is, it's Toys for Bob and not Activision or whatever? Yeah, which goes back... I, I think I actually said this last week that this just looks like... It's going to sound weird. This looks like something they've already done once, but... It just looks like if you tried making a Crash Pandagoot game in the new Spyro engine. It doesn't look any different than the Spyro yeah. Reignited games. And I don't like that because they spent so much time and effort and personality and time, I guess, just putting personality into Crash to make him feel faithful to the originals, just to undo all that with a new style. And But it'd be different if it was a legitimately new style. Instead, it just looks like Reignited, which is not a new style. And I think one of the things that gets me about that is there was a Game Boy Advance thing that you could do where there was a Spyro game yeah. that was Crash, and there was a Crash game that was Spyro, yeah. and they they were inverts of each other. Uh, and that's kind of what this makes me think of, is that they're trying to do a, if you If I didn't know this was a Crash Bandicoot game and you just showed me, I'd almost think that this was a, a set of levels within the Reignited trilogy where it was a crossover with Crash. Yeah. And that's, my, that's kind of where my base problem's at. I don't think that this move necessarily looks more expressive. One of the things I'm going to have to see a lot more of is whether or not they keep the wackiness and expressiveness of Crash Bandicoot's face because that's one of his, like... It's one of the absolutes you have to have, and yeah. that's, I think that's a big reason, and I can't remember the developer off the top of my head. Radical, I think, Radical Entertainment, uh, that made the Crash, uh, Mind Over Mutant, and Crash with the Titans for 360. Um, those games were not that great either, but it was kind of like 
they did ha- they have like a complete character redesign for Crash, but then also they lost a lot of the stuff that makes Crash kind of interesting and what or what made Crash interesting to people back in the day. You lose a nostalgia factor, which is weird because it's one of those things where you can't keep old time fans happy, uh, but new people probably won't care. Yeah. But then again, new people may not become as fond of the character because he's not he doesn't have as much expression anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the weird thing. Uh, let's see. Got to get a couple more in here. I'm going to do uh, Ken Mace over on Facebook. He says, I think it looks promising, but I question the $60 price. One thing I found interesting was the amount of friends I saw in news feeds posting about this game that never post about games. And I think that's a huge thing here. Crash was massive in the PS1 days to the point where my mom, who never keeps up with games, loves Crash. It was almost like Pokemon. It was like everybody knew what it was, even if they didn't play games. Exactly. And, of course, it's the same as Mario. And that's yeah. why I think people kind of look at the uh, – and I think Josh says it on here. Uh, his is a little bit longer. But he says, I've always, had, I've always had a soft spot for Crash. He was the unofficial mascot for PlayStation for a long time. And you could always count on one of his game demos to be any of the demo discs uh, that you would get. And, you know, the, the thing about that is that really it is the closest the PS1 ever had to having a Mario or Sonic-level mascot, despite not actually being a first-party mascot. That's true. Yeah, like, uh, if you if you would associate PlayStation back in the PS1 days, like you would Nintendo, Nintendo, you would think of Mario from Super Mario 64, and you would think of um, Crash Bandicoot from Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. So... And, and, of course, the commercials didn't – they leaned heavily into that. Yeah. You know, with the crash showing up and being like, hey, with Plumber Boy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was outside Nintendo headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> Man, commercials in the 90s were fun. Uh, but, yeah, I think that says a lot about that. When you look at the way that people are, it's kind of like how Spider-Man brought a lot of gamers into the fold that people who are like, I'm going to buy a PlayStation 4 just to play Spider-Man. It – Something about Crash transcends and brings gamers back in a way that uh, not a lot of games do. So I have a feeling this game is really going to perform really well, but I hope it performs well while also being a relatively true-to-Crash experience. I mean, I still want something new out of it, because why make a sequel if it's not going to be anything new? I think making a remake, you get the ability to kind of be like, we're going to do some new things, but by and large, it's going to be what you expect the original games to be. Uh, so get a couple more here. Going to get one, a couple off Twitter because we had some over there. Uh, Mr. Kevin Bacon Bits, one of our patrons, says, I've never played the old games, but I'm happy for the people who have been waiting forever for it. I hope it exceeds their expectations. And last one from over here, Mr. El Jahudi, another one of our patrons, says, I'm a bit skeptical. The trailer gives me the vibes of games that got released after Crash Bandicoot Warped. Uh, which is going back to like Crash Twin Sanity and stuff like that, which were not all bad, but it's kind of like Spyro. Spyro had a number of games after Insomniac left, and just none of the games for Crash or Spyro ever seemed to hit the same level of quality. Uh, So he says these were complicated just for the sake of filling up more content and did not feel right for me. For some reason, they didn't feel like playing the old games felt. And I definitely agree. I remember I tried to play every one of them and kept being like, yeah, this is going to be it. I'm finally going to play another Crash game that feels right, and it just never did. You know what's crazy is this does not look like Crash to me. Oh, no. Well, and again, all the marketing they've done recently, right, about Crash has all, and even the uh, Crash as he is in the, um, not Toys for Bob, what was the developer, Raven Software or whatever, that made uh, Crash Team Racing. Yeah. Even the Crash Team Racing remake graphics were more based on the Insane Trilogy's graphics when looking at this, again, I'm not, I don't hate it. And I definitely think it looks so much more like what I want Crash to be than Crash has been in sequels that were not made by Naughty Dog. But you're right. Something about Bro, him he just looks, looks. He looks like a Rayman character. <laughs> if you detached his arms from his body where they just floated, yeah. I, I think that you'd be a little closer. Speaking Look, of Rayman, I'm where's, where's a new Rayman? Where's a new UB Art game? The UB Art framework engine is beautiful. And it's not been used for Well, jack to be fair, crap. I want another 3D Rayman game like The Great Escape. Here's the problem with The Great Escape. Oh, no. No, it, it, I, it's in its favor. It was the last great 3D Rayman, and I don't really know. I think it's kind of like Sonic Adventure. I don't know that there's ever going to actually be another be 3D game that's, that meets that quality, so I don't think anybody will ever actually be happy with it. Also, I can't help but notice the knife on Ellie's back, the tip is sharp. Like, really sharp. Like, it hurts. Yeah. You press your finger up against it. <laughs> realistic statues. <laughs> Very realistic. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks, guys, for the response. I hope, just like many of you had mentioned, that the game is good. And 
even exceeds expectations. Honestly, all I'm looking for is that it meets a base expectation of just feeling enough like old Crash while doing something new. And I really hope that's what we get. I think the camera angle, they're doing a ton. If you look, uh, if you go to the Twitter for the page, they're showing more actual levels without being edited together like they did for the trailer. And it does look more like it's trying to be the Crash that we know and love. So I appreciate that this is not being overly modernized in a way that's just doing it to try and keep up with an industry movement. But... That doesn't mean it's going to be good. So we'll definitely see. Thank you guys for the responses. Thank you all. Going to go ahead and head over into the news. There will not be an interesting game of the week this week because there is no drop, which I'm pretty sure means that there are no games released. Probably this week. for 4th of July weekend. Yeah. you guys be safe this coming weekend. Yes. So we're going to go ahead and head into the news. Uh, so first thing is, touching back on news from last week, it's been officially confirmed that The Last of Us 2 has beat out Spider-Man PS4 in becoming Sony's fastest-selling exclusive, moving more than 4 million copies in its first three days on market. Which is crazy. Super crazy. And here's one of those things. This goes back, we've been talking about it here and there on Discord, and with some, I've, I've talked about it here and there with some other people in person. This kind of speaks back to that all publicity is good publicity yeah. thing. I don't think of, anybody agree, disagrees with that. If they do, I don't think No, they, no, no. I don't think so either. But, but what I think is happening is I think some of the people who were going on the most extreme tirades and were hoping to have it actually affect the game sales did not think the process through enough because the history, sandwiches. Yeah, history has shown time and again that people – for some reason, are drawn to things that get controversy. Because well, yeah, you because have that they, they automatically they see the hate that people are saying, and they want to instinctively love it because of that. It's like I don't a, even think that. I think of both sides. I think what happens is the people who are big fans of the series who don't have any preconceived notions as what it is. People who've not been spoiled. I think what yeah. you have is that you have those half who are going, "Well, why do people think this is bad? I got to play it and see." And I hope it's good, and I'm sure it will be good because I love the first one. Then you have the people who maybe did get some leaks or just are generally seeing the amount of hate towards the game and being like, oh, man, is this really that bad? I almost have to buy it just to see if it's it, – just to see. You know, it's like you get the people who are going to buy it trying to defend it and hope that it ends up being great. Then you're going to get the people who are almost buying it just to see how much of a train wreck it is based off of what they've seen. Yeah. And regardless of where that ends up on how people personally view it, it's going to translate to a lot of sales. <laughs> um, I'm amazed. Considering how much this game faced in leaks, It's it really is. I, this is the biggest proof in the pudding that there is no such thing as bad press, <laughs> at least in terms of how it matters to performing in the market yeah. uh, monetarily. So congratulations to the team. I hope, if anything else here, and I don't believe this at all, but I did kind of have a little bit of my mind. One of the things that I think it was Atlas Unchained was talking about is, did they purposely kind of leak little, little bits of information? Didn't expect the leaks to get out of control in a way that would kind of be things that would make people mad in an effort to want to get more people going, but then it just spiraled the way out of control and has people talking about people should be raped if they like the game. Honestly, I think that, I think they leaked the whole thing back when they said that it was an angry employee that leaked all the, the, the hacked footage, quote unquote. Yeah, because that wasn't, I could see that being them. I don't believe it, but I mean, if you want well, to I mean, look you're at gonna which go into would that, make more sense. If you're going to go into a route that they leaked a little bit, because like most of the leaks that came out were all part of bigger things. Yeah. It wasn't ever like one little leak here. It was like this little leak in the midst of like 10 paragraphs of other things, which some of them assume ended up being false. And, uh, Which again, when they they've actually talked about why they did the misleading trailers on purpose. So if you look at that, I still don't like that. Would you would you do misleading leaks on purpose? I, I, not to, um, we're not trying to create conspiracy theories Possibly. so much as we're saying that. Regardless, even if Naughty Dog actually did have some kind of thing of like, hey, what if we leak some of the game to give it some controversy to get more people to buy it just to see. Speaking of conspiracy theories, I don't believe it, but it's interesting. I, I read a I read a good one on Reddit the other day of like what conspiracy theory you think is really true. Somebody said that they think that time traveler travelers are trying to stop uh, the COVID uh, in twenty twenty, but they keep messing up, and then so it keeps having other effects like murder hornets. You ever <laughs> have you noticed how they're just like gone now? Yeah. Like that was a big old thing. Time travelers took care of those. You know what I think it is though. They actually, they brought them in. They're like, oh, we got to fix that mistake, so they came back and took them away. <laughs> so now it's kind of like 
they, they just ain't getting to the point where they could stop COVID. You know what I think is really the bigger conspiracy theory that makes more sense? Huh. I think it shows media's propensity to just way, way, way overstate everything. Thing that exists yeah if they can sensationalize something they're gonna do it yeah <laughs> and i think that's why everybody was like murder hornets and have we seen anything about it no because all they did was get to blow up to get media press for a little bit then, let then it the all fall back came and saved it all yeah exactly it both hey you know what's crazy though both of those things are mutually they're not mutually exclusive they can both be true yeah so we'll definitely see. Uh, next thing up on the list for players eager for reviews before purchasing Ghost of Tsushima, it won't be quite as early as before release of The Last of Us 2 was, but the review embargo will lift on July 14th, which is three days before its July 17th release. If, if you're somebody who pays attention to reviews, I think that's a good amount of time. Three days, I, I think it is too. Three to five days. I think five being the max because yeah. you go out like two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, what game was it where like the review came out? Was it God of War where the reviews came out like two weeks beforehand and we were like, we get to see all the good reviews, but we can't play the game for two weeks. It was frustrating. I think you might be right. It was God of War, maybe Horizon. It was it was one it was one big AAA game. It wasn't Spider Man, but could it, it have been Detroit? It might. It was one of those three then because it was in that it was in that year. Yeah, and the reason I think Detroit is it was closer to God of War, and I do have this feeling that it might have been God of War. Either way, I, I mean, here's the thing. I think that definitely for longer games, people have got to get the game earlier, and I think you've got to give it a, a slightly bigger embargo to try and keep people from leaking. Yeah. So I think that's I think it's kind of a mixed thing. Uh, the longer games get, well, you kind of have to fight. We that. don't really know how long Ghost will be either. Yeah, but fair. it's an open world game, so I think the assumption is pretty safe that like Days Gone is a roughly forty hour game. Yeah, well, I mean, te- uh, technically, and it, it depends small, on how you play it. Yeah, it could be a small open world though. Yeah, it could be fifteen minutes. It could be at fifteen hours, not fifteen minutes, but fifteen hours. Well, they've already said it's 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 large. It's larger than Second Son by far. So I'm trying to remember how big that world was. It was pretty big. Second Son was a good size. Yeah. So either way, we'll definitely see how that plays out. Uh, but I'm glad that that's happening because again, I think that. I mean, bare minimum, reviews should drop on release date. The only time I have a huge problem is when you when the you can't even get the game to review until the day it launches. I don't think the reviews should release on release day, just because there are going to be those people who reviews actually could save them sixty dollars because of some some potential things they may not like. Well, that's kind of why I think, say at least day one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, day one though, because for most consumers, you're going to get midnight's too late. Yeah. So maybe the day before at least. Yeah. Fair. Well, yeah. <laughs> Have reviews go live at midnight. <laughs> well, you could all your Sony downloads for at least us are nine thirty, aren't? Isn't it or nine? It's nine or nine thirty if you download a game off PSN daily. I think that's the other thing. You know what I've never thought about with uh, Sony's uh, return policy. How does that? Uh, you know, it says that you can get a refund if you don't download the game. Oh yeah, because when how you, does that work with pre-downloads? Well, because here's the stupid thing: you add it to your library when you initially purchase it, then you click download. You downloaded it. It's still downloaded. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Or the preload, I should say, is what they call that. But, yeah, I wonder if that ties in. Oh, it does. I remember reading uh, either a tweet or an article about it. Boy, that's silly. All right, next thing up, Borderlands 3 dropped its Bounty of Blood campaign add-on for players looking to jump back into that madness, uh, which is good. Considering that game's been on sale a lot recently, I think just now during the GameStop uh pro day event or whatever you get the game for 18 bucks so i mean if, you, if that's what you're into and want more to play there you go uh next thing up is pretty interesting sony have announced the playstation bug bounty program and no it has nothing to do with the recently announced bug snacks though that would have been a really funny name uh instead I, when i went to click on it earlier this week i was almost like is this like a bug snacks yeah thing? um Instead, though, it's an initiative that they've run privately for a small period before moving it to the broader community and where users are invited to test the security of the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Network with rewards for various issues, including critical issues, which carry a starting reward of $50,000. Smaller issues can net users rewards of as little as $100 and up. Sony has partnered with HackerOne to help oversee the program and explain the move as much as as such, quote, we res- we recognize the valuable role that the research community plays in enhancing security, so we are excited to announce our program for the broader community, end quote. Now, this is kind of interesting. This is something that happened a long time ago now. Uh, clearly, this is probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, early, early, early on in the Vita's lifespan, uh, of course, Sony made the system as best they could to not repeat the PSP's mistake of being way too easily 
hackable. Hackable. Yeah. So when they're doing that, uh, when the game, when, when the system finally released, I want to say it was within the first three to six months, um, there was actually someone who was part of the back-end community who figured an ex- exploit out knew what it could do and how open it was. And instead of bringing it out and giving it to the general public, he took it directly to Sony, gave it to them. So they knew what it was and how to patch it out. Now, who knows what his reasoning was for there? Maybe he just thought it was too early in the lifespan for people to be able to hack it wide open. Uh, Cause a lot of people who do hack for consoles tend to like to do it toward the end of the lifespan where they make it real easy because then it's like, you're not, you're affecting less people yeah. at least while still getting to have fun with the tech. Um, but I, it, I wonder if it was for that or if he thought he was going to get money out of it, you know? Like, hey. It's true. <laughs> the guy that found uh, the source code disc for, I believe it was either Half-Life or World of Warcraft, uh, sent it back to them, and he got, like, all kinds of stuff for free. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> interesting, if nothing else. Uh, either way, uh, that was an interesting setup, and I wonder how long this will last, if this is something that will be open moving forward into the PS5 and Starcraft. just always kind of exist. Uh Oh, okay. It was StarCraft. Crazy. Goldmaster Source Cold Disk. And what's probably part of the reason that happened is I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. You know how many. There's so many games that they lose the master stuff for. But then again, I don't know what the disk would matter because it's about op- being able to open the master file almost doesn't matter because a lot of the time they will have the master file, but they don't have the actual code that makes up the master file. You That's know what, what I mean? that is. Well, is that the Gold Master disc? That is the Gold Master source code. The code. Oh, the, okay. <laughs> the Fun. actual source code of the game. <laughs> Fun. Okay, uh, let's see. Next thing up. PS Plus will be celebrating its 10th anniversary on June 29th, which is tomorrow, the day that this episode drops. Uh, while nothing has been announced yet, Sony sent European users who'd been with the service since its start a commemorative framed picture showing stats pertaining to the service, though sadly they never came over here. But that was for the five-year anniversary of the service. Uh, we are currently still waiting on the announcement of the July games, so it could be that they just go big with what games they choose in. Or I have a funny, I have a cool idea that I think would be interesting to come back with. Um, for anybody who remembers PS Plus going back to the PS3 days when the service started in 2010, uh, in the later years of PS3, it probably started in like late 2012, maybe it started in 2013, but the Instant Game Collection, um, as it was referred to, I think we've talked about it on the show before, where you could just go on, the moment you became a PS Plus user, there was a list of games, of like five or six games that would occasionally rotate out, that as soon as you became a PS Plus subscriber, you could download every one of those games. And a lot of them are really good. I think Infamous 1 was in there. Yeah, we talked about the ones on Vita too. Yeah, Vita had it at launch, which was really cool. Not at launch, but it was so close to launch that you could get Uncharted, uh, Golden Abyss, you could get Gravity Rush. So that was a great idea, and it was kind of almost close to what games pass is trying to be now where it was like it's something that you're going to pay for but as soon as you pay for it you've got access to a pretty decent chunk of games that are acclaimed games yeah uh it would be really cool if since we're at the end of the playstation 4's life cycle and it's going to have less impact on pretty much everyone involved if sony were to do something like that to where you get the instant game collection and as soon as you become a ps plus subscriber you get access to bloodborne uh, Infamous Second Son, Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Remastered, just a handful of exclusives that have pretty much ran their course and lived their course, and maybe a couple of third-party games thrown in there, like a Metro Exodus or something like that, uh, to where as soon as you're in there, you got a handful of games to play. Uh, now, that's not as necessary, considering that now they have PS Now, which is kind of trying to be that. So while I find it unlikely, the reason that I say that that could happen is what they're looking for these days more than anything, definitely since PS4 is slowing down, is more people coming into the subscription services because they make money off of that. So for people who are buying PlayStations, either brand new or used right now, this late in the gen who are just starting to do it, a good way to incentivize people to sign up for something is to go, hey, if you sign up for this, you have a handful of games you can play right now. Good way to do it. Yeah, and I'm expecting some big, big games. We'll see because I, I don't know. It's gonna be weird, right? Ten it's, years, you better give us something like Horizon something. And, and like Bloodborne or no? Well, Bloodborne's already happened before. Yeah, like Horizon and like Uncharted Four. No, that's already happened before too, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, some big, some big first party game. Spider Man, Spider Man, and The Last of Us One remastered. That'd be a good week. Has The Last of Us not remastered? Not been? I don't think so. I might be wrong. I already own it. Own it. I've owned it forever. So, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. 
We'll see. If you got ideas of what it may be, I'm sure we'll learn this next week. But if you got ideas, throw them in the comments or hit us up on Twitter or in the Discord. I'd be interested to see what those are. Uh, anyway, moving on to the next thing, Capcom continues its tradition of renewing the deep down trademark while continuously offering no update on the project's progress. This could be indicative of a move to PS5. It wouldn't really surprise me. Uh, this would be really similar. I don't know if any of you remember. Neo was originally announced during like Tokyo Game Show 2012 or so. It was supposed to be a PS3 game. I don't remember Went that. silent forever yeah, yeah. until it finally came back as a PS4 Yeah, game. but Neo wasn't announced at the beginning of the PS3 cycle. No, it wasn't, but it Where was still an example. Was. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but either way, I wonder, and you could even look at something like The Last Guardian, which was announced for one system and then eventually made it to another, because if you've taken this long, why would you release it on PS4 at this point? Realistically. Does it get into like... Install base, I guess. But. Say this game never comes out. Does it get into like false advertisement that like these games are being shown and then they never come nope. out nope. because like maybe if somebody bought a system with the hopes of that game coming out but it never did nope and it's, i it's understand weird. why because it's, it's, no other media has this like you don't ever see movie trailers for movies that don't come out or if you do it's very uncommon yeah i, I can't think of a primary example whereas there's a ton of games yeah that you see this for. absolutely uh so i don't know i mean because that's here, here's the thing they don't have they're not putting a release date on them they're not doing anything like that so it's not a promise, and they typically will say things can change uh, before, or you know, the, a work in progress. Things can change, and I think that that probably even covers the fact that this game just won't come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. That's really weird. Watch it. Watch it get released. I think it canceled. <laughs> that would be wild. It would be. Could you imagine if that would have happened to fifteen? I think Final you Fantasy just need 15? to stop. I, I just think you need to stop getting your hopes up because the next thing in the news, <laughs> something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. So some of the most unfortunate gaming news in a while. Anyway, the other thing about that, my, my closing thing, we've already kind of talked about it, but I really hope that this is not the same trajectory we see for Project Athia. Even though I feel like it's it's, it's very, Square Enix and they don't have a real name for it yet. It's very similar. Deep Down was a work in progress name. Project Athia is a work in progress name. Though even though Deep Down always seemed like it could have been the real name, like why would you want to buy a game called? Well, guys, shouldn't say that. If the game looks cool, I'll buy it. If it's called Project Athia, but yeah, that but doesn't sound name. like a name. Yeah, it's a bad name. Uh, Deep Down sounds like a name, yeah. so it's fine. But yeah, I really hope this doesn't have the same thing because if you think about it, Deep Down had gameplay and well, not even gameplay, but. CGI that was supposed to be indicative of gameplay and all that and character models and all that stuff. So clearly it was an idea. Project Athic could so closely follow with very little in its way from keeping it from doing that. But I really hope that's not what we are. Uh, anyway, next thing up, Ready at Dawn, the independent studio behind many PlayStation exclusives, such as Daxter, God of War, Chains of Olympus, and Ghost of Sparta for the PSP. Uh, but most recently, The Order 1886 has been bought out by Facebook slash Oculus, since Oculus is owned by Facebook, after their last few VR games have been showcases for the technology. Uh, this is kind of weird because this puts a damper on my personal hopes for an 1887, though I will say, and I don't... I don't truly believe this, but I don't want to completely extinguish my flame of hope. <laughs> it's not impossible that the 1887 could have already been in development before this purchase happened and still going to come as a PlayStation 5 exclusive. It's also not impossible that Sony could not just give the order franchise to someone else. Though, personally, I don't want the order from someone else because you're completely moving it away from the basis of people who made a story with a clear goal of where to move forward. I don't. I think that we've seen often enough that when you take a franchise that's that I think the order's weird, but it is a revered franchise from a certain group. The people who'd be most wanting of an 1887 are not going to be as happy with a new developer as I think many people would imagine. I mean, don't get me wrong, in a crazy world where a studio like Sucker Punch or Naughty Dog or one of like the highest tier PlayStation developers would make 1887, it would probably be the best way to at least kind of smooth over the disappointment, but I, I don't can, think I that is the way Dog it would happen. That. It's definitely a Naughty Dog style game. Yeah, uh, but you know who I actually think would be <laughs> weirdly enough. I think the best developer Budgie. for it would be Insomniac, uh, which I don't think will happen. But there's a lot of really interesting, unique weaponry, and I think that with Insomniac moving towards Spider-Man, which shows they can do very cinematic games, but also have gameplay that is very tight and focused around interesting weapons, it's probably the closest Mary I can see of that. Yeah. But who knows? 
Either way, I think some examples of games that have had this happen. The Outer Worlds is clearly a game that happened and released uh, and came out as an exclusive, or not as an exclusive, rather, I should say, but came out from the people, even though it got bought out from a place that you would expect something to be exclusive from. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of examples of that. Now, granted, ones. Obsidian did say that. I think that's the last one. They would yeah, it is. Platform. It is. Uh, but it just goes to show that deals can be made behind the, the, the back end. Contracts can be signed. Projects can be announced. Or projects can be in the works. And most companies, when they buy places out, are not interested in getting away with that work because that contract is part of the value of the company at that right. point. Yeah. So they normally will let it go through. Um, the other thing to say is I really doubt that Facebook would let them, but there is technically nothing that wouldn't be able to say Sony would go to Facebook and say, hey, we'd like, the, we'd like Ready at Dawn to make a sequel to the order. Again, unlikely, but this is not so much like if Microsoft bought them, it'd be a nail in the coffin. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think that this is as closed off as that, but realistically, I think that as much as I love Reddit at Dawn, most of their work moving forward, if not all of their work moving forward, is probably going to be VR. It's kind of like what you see with um, Ninja Theory. Yeah. We yeah. Don't, you, I highly, highly doubt they will see Hellblade on PS5. Oh, man, I, I guarantee we will not yeah. see Hellblade on PS5. Uh, which, again, unfortunate. I'm still going to play the game because... The first one was amazing. Uh, I just don't get to get a platinum, sadly. Uh, okay, next couple things in news. Uh, the excuse me, we got to see another big chunk of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven after its delay uh, that we learned about last week. Um, with this week's Night City Wire episode one, which sounds to me like it's implying that there will be a few more of these before the game comes out. Uh, it showed roughly thirty minutes of new gameplay with. Internet personalities getting to talk about a completely different section they got to play, uh, but not necessarily show game footage from uh, because they weren't allowed to capture. Uh, Saul, did you get a chance to watch this? I'm not going to watch it. I don't blame you. Yeah. I, the I, only thing I will say, having watched it, is that it makes it makes the a little bit more of the basic gameplay make sense. There's not a lot of story here. There's a very little. But I it's, see it's anything. I think if nothing else... If you were ever going to watch at least one of them, I'd say that this gives you the the closest example of what we've seen. Well, I've already watched one of them. That's why fair. I'm not going to watch this yeah. one. Yeah. I think that one still showed pretty close. Yeah. Now, some interesting things that are just like a detail thing that I don't think are ruining or spoiling or anything that was just kind of cool. Uh, you know that since the last one that was we got to see, they've changed to a completely first-person uh, camera Engine. perspective. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. One of the really cool things about this that I just love to see in games, and I was really surprised when I was watching, I was like, oh, man. Uh, a lot of the times, they'll normally do a lot to not show shadows of characters that you, when you're playing in first-person because then that means they have to animate a whole body that normally the first-person gives you the ability to not have to worry about. Right, it's just a camera. Yeah, but in this case, whenever you, there's a spot where you jump up and there's a big camera bloom of a sun behind you and on the shadow, you can fully see your arms moving just as they are in first-person. You can that's see your cool. legs jumping. I was like, that's a good detail. Yeah. game. Leave it up to CD Projekt Red for that, too. Game looks absolutely gorgeous. I'm sure it does. But... There's no way what we watched will be a PS5. Was was if nothing else, what we watched, if it's console footage, if nothing else, it has to be one X footage. If nothing else, I am. But I don't even think it was that. I actually now here's the thing that's interesting about it. Digital Foundry did a uh, did a video on it. And it's not even showing the game. Uh, apparently, the game has got some stuff where they're going to be using ray tracing and stuff for some of the NVIDIA stuff. And those effects are not turned on in that video. So what they think this is, is this isn't even the game showing as good as it can look. Yeah, and that's that's all I was saying like a couple weeks back was like Project Red, they definitely develop for PC gamers in mind when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. And Cool that they have I the can, restraints, though, to not show the, the absolute max. I don't think they can. I don't think there's anything in the world right now that can handle that game at the highest settings. Back when The Witcher came out, there was two games that came out, Witcher and Shadow of Mordor, that when they came out, they, that almost not even the highest rigs in the world could handle those properly. At least stably? Yeah, know. yeah, stably. Like, like, At their max? Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Either way, it if, it, and if it was, it was like you're in a 1% group of the world that could play it at Dude. that. Because like, I, I remember specifically, it was kind of like Crisis 2, but with Shadow of Mordor, people were like... Crisis 2? Oh, you mean like... No, Crisis as well. Yeah, um, gotcha. Because like people were playing Shadow of Mordor and they're like, I got a 980 Ti and I can barely play this game on high, and people because 980 Ti was the thing back in the day for that. Yeah. Um, 
and The Witcher came out. I remember what card it was exactly, but they were like, I finally managed to get this uh, game running on ultra settings at a stable 60 frames per second. And like the picture they showed was just of the sun. Because it was just like, it's not it's moving the camera. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. We'll definitely see. Game looks good if you don't want to know too much. Essentially, for people that do want to go check the footage out, if you've not gotten around to it yet, I do think it shows a substantial amount of what you can expect from just normal gameplay. If you just kind of want to know what the game is going to be from a gameplay style, check this out. And I do think it reinforces that as much as it looks different on the surface, this is a full-fledged RPG. Yeah, this of is, it is This is a game that's like The Witcher. Way different than The Witcher in a ton of ways. But it is also like The Witcher. Uh, and you do get to see some gunplay. Not a whole lot. And I think that one of my biggest concerns still is going to be how does an RPG like this handle gunplay. Um, but a couple of people, I've seen a couple of the personalities who got to play longer chunks. And they said, like, in hand, does the gunplay feel good? And everybody said that they thought it felt good. Like, nobody was just like, oh, my God, amazing. But everybody's like, it feels good. Like, it feels yeah. solid. And I think that's all that is needed. I mean, don't get me wrong. When a game, when a RPG can have amazing gunplay too, awesome. You know what? Uh, you know what game's trying to be an RPG? This next one. Yeah, this next one, Marvel Avengers. Uh, yeah. So another game coming out later this year, as everyone probably knows, uh, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics Marvel Avengers, uh, which got delayed just like Cyberpunk did into this later bit of the year. Uh, its War Table event, which came out earlier this week, showed some of the story you can expect to play, how co-op works and an extended gameplay section showing off different heroes in action, gear sets that you can get for them, mission types, uh, skill trees, and more. Now, one thing that's really bad here that they did confirm separately is that there is going to need to be at least a single-time online access for you to even play the single player. Stupid. I don't, even, I don't understand why games still fall into that trap. I, don't, I, I, I almost wonder if this is a... It's a money pit. I don't for, know if this is a, a weird DRM thing. It's a money pit for Marvel fans is what this game is. I mean, maybe, but I just don't understand why you need to be connected online one time to play single player. This seems like it's a weird workaround of not having to use a normal de novo kind of style thing. Yeah, for But DRM. really, it's just they want you to check in online so they can check your code to see if you're running a legit version or not. Probably so, but then why does that have to extend to consoles? Unless it's just written in code that way, Who which knows? is possible. And yeah, totally awesome. Totally is possible. Now, you, of course, look through this. I have a very mixed thing of this. I think that... Oh, this game looks... And I'm sorry if you like this game or you think you're sorry this game. To me, this game looks like garbage. I don't think it... Oh, okay, what, what do you mean looks like garbage? It like looks... It, like visually so, or like it looks like it wouldn't be fun to play? So, both. Um, to me, it does not look like the, it's anything special at all. Um, but also, at the same time... Back in E3 of 2017, I think that they showed the um, they showed the uh, what is the what are those other Marvel games called? Where it can't like uh, the fighting ones or like not really fighting ones, but it's like a uh, Marvel Alliance Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, the one that came back to Switch. Yes, uh, they showed a well. No, it wasn't for Switch though. It was like a new one. I don't think the Switch got the new new. No, one. the Switch Did got it? the new one exclusively. Did he? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. This was a, a Sony conference, if I remember correctly. And it was like it, it. It looked. I remember saying this looks like a mobile game. Like the the, the cutscenes, the character designs, it all looked like it was straight out of a mobile game. Oh, you talking about Marvel versus Capcom? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it was because they had Dante in the trailer. Yeah. yeah, and it did look rough. Yeah, it, it it looked like a mobile game, and this game to me looks like there's something that just looks cheap about the way the characters are designed. It doesn't look. Like it's hmm. it's it's odd. I can't really put it in words, but it, I will tell you that the character models have a uncanny valley to them a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I do think graphically the game looks better than I guess I should say contextually. Right, we're so used to licensed IP up until this started happening. Most licensed IP was frowned upon and looked at as a really cheap pawn off. I do think that this looks higher quality than most, uh, you know, licensed IP and licensed games. But at the same time. I don't know that I necessarily agree with the choice that they use. Like, I, I really, I, I feel like I'm going to give the game a cho- a chance, but I don't know if this is a full price chance. Yeah, <laughs> you, you like, know what I mean. Like even watching this trailer, like, just, I don't think it looks terrible, and I think that there's definitely subgroups of people who are going to like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is very much 
from what you can see from gear sets and the way it's going to work, it's clearly influenced by the always online games like Destiny and Division, while also having some things that are a little bit more Diablo-like to it, the, the more single-player possible or single-player viable takes on those games. You um, know what's weird about the gameplay in this game or in this trailer? Never once is there a gameplay of characters moving around except that part right there. They're all stationary while they're doing their attacks. Uh, it's just, I don't know. There's something weird about it. Like, like it's the same with Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It just it it doesn't look like a Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> it just looks like a mobile game. Like it, it's it's maybe it's just the way mobile games are advertised every now and then, or just how they look. Because I can't really put it into words what I mean by that. But it I just, think it could be more than anything. I think that maybe you need to watch the extended gameplay cut. And I think that may change your mind a little bit. The reason I say that is from what you were just showing, I do agree that it looks very much cut like a mobile game trailer. Yeah. But at the same time, this is something I'm not loving. Um, and weirdly as it is, I actually think Sony's done a pretty good job of not doing this too much. And they'll normally show some other stuff. Uh, I don't like that the trailers... Tr- across the board, the industry's kind of gotten to where marketing and trailers are very homogenous. Like what you expect to see is very similar, just like on almost every game. You know, you know how many times that the custom cases I do that most of the reason that people are like, holy crap, this looks great, is that one of the number one things I hear is that they hate how modern day game cases are almost always somebody's face zoomed up close with the logo. Yeah, or it's just it. a character design that's standing there. Yeah, or, it's, yeah it's again, it. it's always character model, or even if it's a character model, it's almost always like their upper third. Yeah, and this this isn't really a, a even the Last of Us Two had that. Well, I was gonna say this isn't really a, a a complaint necessarily, but like if you look at any Sony first party game, it's the exact same box art, or it's the, it's like the three same box arts. Yeah, you have God of War and Spider Man, where it's a shot out of the character. Then you have the Last of Us, where it's a shot in on the face of the character, which is also kind of like Ratchet and Clank. You have Uncharted, which is the exact same, the ex- literally the exact same cover for every one of them, where it's just Nathan Drake standing off in the middle of the, the thing. Well, I actually think the PS3 ones were a little bit better uh, in this. It's all the same, ain't it? I will say, no, uh, Uncharted 1, 2, uh, 2 was like him hanging from the uh, I thought train that was a limited thing. edition one. Was that was that the normal box art for that game? Yeah, the normal box art's here, look. I thought that was him. Oh, no, no, I am thinking of the first game, where his back is facing and it's the train out in front of him in the desert or whatever. It's not the train. See, this is the Uncharted 2 cover. That's exactly what it is. Uh, the Uncharted 3 cover is a little different. <laughs> uh, it's him in front of the plane. It's it's always the... it's Okay, so for Uncharted 2 and 3, which were all about set pieces, which Uncharted 1 didn't have and Uncharted 4 had less of, it was more of how do we show off the set piece? Well, we're going to show Nate somehow around or interacting with the biggest set piece in the game. That was a fan-made one. I was going to say, that, that's not real. Yeah, that's not real. Well, that Japanese one down there looks cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> but Either yeah, way. Like, like, yeah, but you're, you're definitely right. And that's gaming as a whole, really. And I mean, definitely Sony have found what works for them best as well. But it's not that different than the gaming as a whole because how different is that from Doom, Doom Eternal? Exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, Arkham games, yeah. all the exact same cover, and, you know and they do the bad. They do the bad covers too, like where the game of the year comes out. And they have the ratings all over the box. <laughs> yeah, it's ugly. Uh, you know what's weird about Doom 2016? The reverse cover for it was amazing. The reverse cover for Last of Us is amazing. It, it, yeah, no, it's like, dude, why? Why are you not putting this on the front? Yeah, now, don't get me wrong. I know that this is us talking as mega fans and people who keep up with the gaming industry. So we're annoyed because we know everything we need to know that would sell us on these games. I think the thing that's really happening here is that we're seeing the effect of being they're ha- they're catering to the lowest common denominator and we're feeling the effects of that because we're do mega you, fans. Do you not wonder though that if that's still to still well not still, but now coming to the being an outdated way of thinking. I don't because with the way everything's covered so broadly and, and commonly that everybody I, has, has again, access to everything in their hands. Again, I don't think you're still looking at the core section of the market. And the thing about the core section of the market is we make up the smallest percent. Even if we wanted to talk about the core gamers of the PS4, PS4 is over hundred and 20 million sold or whatever it is. Right. So let's just say 120 million sold. I'd be willing to bet that even if the core market has grown a lot, I'd say we make up maybe 30, between 30 and 40 million at max of, yeah, of that yeah, market like, share. Even so then, when you look at that, if you want a game, then you have to go per game basis. It's going to go smaller than that, right? So I think what you have to look at is The Last of Us 2, Everybody who who can follow the who actually pays attention a lot of attention to game news can follow it and know whether they want to buy it based off of what they've seen. 
Right. Then when it comes to the more normal people who played The Last of Us but don't follow it super hard, who are just more casual people, they may go, oh, yeah, I think The Last of Us 2 is coming out. Or that may not even happen. They may literally be in a store one day, look by and be like, Last of Us 2? I remember The Last of Us 1. Or, hey, that looks cool. But see, what I'm saying, though, I is think that, those like, kind of things happen more often than not. What if you had the reverse cover that The Last of Us 2 has, but then you just have the title on the game? Still, oh, I get what you mean. So, I, like, they would still know what it is. But I think that that's what I was getting at. I think that where marketing is at and why so many people do it is there has to be numbers that have been run. Obviously, yeah, that everything is planned. That, that that show that the type of cover we've seen be proliferated in the game. It's why they change has to be the most effective cover for the broad market. It's why they changed Ellie's face on uh, the uh, PlayStation Japanese magazine one. in Japan, in Japan yeah. because people they knew that. That was a more aesthetically pleasing face to them. They're going to be the ones to more likely buy that magazine than they would if it was Ellie's normal face on there. Yeah. Which actually, I, I actually really love that that front cover of that that magazine. That's one of my favorite pieces of art I've seen in a while. Doesn't even look like Ellie, but it's it really cool. It's yeah, pretty. <laughs> it is. But yeah, that goes back to, and I hate that. I think about it all the time, dude. Game game art, game covers have gotten so. PlayStation Land. also does the thing that I hate. That was a thing of last gen where Xbox did it even worse with the silver platinum hits co- uh, cases. I do not like the red banner. I don't even buy physical games, but if I'm like at Best Buy or something and I see PlayStation hits and it's red all the way around, I'm like, that's ugly. That's not going to match any of your other games if it's sitting on a shelf. And I don't know. I don't know why that happened either. And yet you're right. The Xbox ones that were literally platinum cases. It was literally gray cases. I'm and like, they had a huge banner that said Xbox Platinum. If it was like black cases, like the Xbox Black Series or something, like, and that was the name of them. At least that looked good on a shelf being black and green. That's Xbox's colors, anyways. But you're gonna have That's silver true. cases sitting next to green cases, and that would actually be a good idea for Sony too, because their colors are. Every company is typically black in another color. Yeah. Nintendo skews that by going white in a color. Well, but. yeah, and then the next gen, it could be the black and the really shiny light blue with like a white on the side of the spot or something. Yeah, I wonder if that, that would be interesting if Switch cases did that. Their ones, their uh, select ones became red cases and their, their other ones stayed clear, which essentially represents white. Would you be, would would, would Nintendo's being red it, cases probably bother do, you so much? It would. Because would it feel more accurate there's to are Nintendo? red. Are their Switch cases red? Yeah. Their Switch cases are... Well, I mean, do you mean like the, the plastic? Yeah, the actual plastic. Is oh. Um, that, I thought that's what you were getting at. If they're all at. red, no. You know the, well, play, I mean, the PlayStation all, full case is red. red. Well, I'm talking about it's Weird. all about consistency. So like, if they're all red, fine. That'd actually look really cool if you had Xbox green cases, PlayStation blue cases, and then Switch red cases all on like separate shelves. Yeah. I get what you mean. But actually, I, I the Switch thing brings up a whole other thing. I actually hate that all of the spines of Nintendo's games look the same. It's literally just the same font on the same red spine, partially because of the oh, case yeah. size. Well, I mean, it's but you can the, do wraparound designs. It, it, yeah, but I think it does look consistently nice. It, I, it looks consistent, and I guess it looks clean. Yeah. I just don't think it looks – I think it looks sterile. Yeah. I mean that's true too, and you know is what it is. What uh, what are you looking at for community's take? What I, what people are thinking about Marvel? Are they going to get? I Avengers? think considering how how hard you're hitting into it, maybe that is a good way to go. Uh, does the Marvel Avengers game look appealing to you? That's I would leave it as simple as that. So uh, for those that don't know. We are trying to square to PlayStation Podcast, where you can find us on YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central Time. If you like this episode, hit it with a di- uh, like. But if you dislike it, hit it with a dislike. That's cool, too. Just leave us a comment on why you did, if you don't mind. And uh, if you enjoy us enough and you listen across all podcast services as you can, and there's a rating system, go ahead and feel free to give us a rating and uh, put it in as re- reflective of what you really think about the episode. And we will always reach out. And say that if you're enjoying this episode, we love you all, and we hope you share it with your friends and family who are also will be interested in it as well. And now I'm going to send it off to Brett for some words about our Patreon and our <laughs> Patreon members. If you want to be part of our uh, weekly community state question, head over to our, all of our oh, social yeah, that media. Too. Uh, I, yeah, I just lump it in with Patreon. Uh, but yeah, if you want to do that, head over on Twitter. We are at Triangle SQRD. One day we'll get that real Triangle Squared name. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, I wonder if that, that's still an active Twitter. I don't know. We should double check that often, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, 
If you want to head over to Facebook, it's a group that you can be asked to join, and we'll gladly let you in. It's Triangle Squared PlayStation Podcast. Uh, of course, you can always hop into our Discord, which is linked down in the description below. We'd love to have you. And we have a dedicated section for the community stake section there, as well as a podcast discussion section that you can actually talk to about anything we talk about in the podcast uh, with all of our users in there, including Saul and I. Uh, and lastly... I don't know if that means that there's not one now. That's what it looks like. We need to go change it, boys. We'll address that in the next episode if we have to. Uh, but, of course, lastly, you can go over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month uh, to help support the show. Of course, we love you so much for letting us do this without having to dig in our own pockets anymore. Uh, we are forever grateful and will likely be doing this for a long time because of that. Uh, but Evidently, it is still taken. Also, I do some cool custom cases that you can get and choose one that you want every for three months. For $15. You only got to be on a patron. Yeah, yeah, depending on where you live. Because if you live across yeah. the world, it's kind of more expensive. You got to be a patron for at least three months. Yes, That's and it's like 15 bucks, and you get this cool custom case. So, with that said, we will, we will guys, we will see you guys next week. Thank for you. Episode 170, thank you. <laughs> Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Elchbeeb. Again, if you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.